Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. family here and just appreciate them. Amen. Brother Eric and Sister Rachel, their children, such a, a amazing people and uh, love watching God use their children. And uh, the other night he sent me a picture, said, I'm sorry it's a little bit late, but I want you to know this is how they went to bed, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. Isn't that powerful? Prayer revival has been so rich and amazing. How many loved the prayer revival we had? Wasn't that powerful? So impactful. Amen. Brother Edwards, we want you to come and preach, teach the word of the Lord tonight. Would you give him a welcome? Aren't we ready to hear from the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. So great to be here today. And uh, excited for what I already feel announced tonight. We're going to go to Revelations chapter 11, verse 19. Give honor to Pastor Bounds, his family. What a gift. What a gift they are. Such a blessing to us. Give them honor today. Yeah. And uh, thankful for the church. Thankful for, thankful for the people of God. Thankful for the house of God. And thankful for what we can feel when we come into his house. And I've been kind of reflective. Evelyn, my daughter, was baptized on Sunday and I never would have imagined. I, I, I didn't know when the decisions that I was making as a young person, the effects that that would have down the road. Just been so thankful, been so thankful. God's been so good. Revelations chapter 11, verse 19. And the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lights and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Heaven was opened and in heaven his temple, the ark of his testament. For just a few minutes, I want to talk about heaven in your could you put your Bibles down and just lift your hands and your voice one more time and just ask God to move upon us today. God, we love you, Jesus. God, make yourself known to us today. God, prepare our hearts and our souls today to receive your word. God, we ask that you would bless every person in this room. God, show yourself strong to us tonight. God, we're so thankful to be in your house with your people. We give you the praise and we give you all glory in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Just love what I feel. There's moments of whenever we get to come into his house, the faith that we get to feel 
in his house. Faith to, to overcome every opposition, every situation. For greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We know what the arm of the flesh can do. It's not much. In fact, Jesus said that apart from me, you can do nothing. But the power that we seek is coming from heaven. And heaven has made bare his right arm of power. And when he does, there is glory that comes down in our midst today. There are testimonies that God wants to do and is doing in this room even here tonight. And I just want to admonish us this evening that God is wanting to do something in his house tonight. But you are not only going to leave it here, but you are going to take it home to your house also. There is just something so, so apostolic about our homes. And when I say home, I, I mean wherever you live, whether that's a house, an apartment, a condo, or a camper, if you see so fit. I, I, I'm such a fan of homes that I even got uh, my real estate license, and it seems to be that's the main thing I can talk about people because I love homes. Uh, I love homes that much. But let me tell you this, that heaven is not only satisfied with invading your heart, but heaven wants to invade our homes. Never forget that the upper room was in somebody's house. And the place, the place was shaken. Wouldn't you love for an outpouring of heaven to happen in your home? Revelations eleven nineteen again, and the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Somebody say in my home. We want heaven in our home. To say the word home is one of the most emotional words in the human language. The average new home built in 1950 was less than 1,000 square feet. The average home built today is around 3,000 square feet. Homes are not bigger because our families are larger. In fact, they're smaller. They are bigger to accommodate all of our stuff. Still, others view home not as a place to hold their stuff, but instead as the source or maybe the, 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 the point of a lot of their problems. Sometimes people have grown up in homes not filled with love and sadly even abuse, and it establishes a generational thinking to see home not as a place of refuge, but as the place and the source of their frustrations. In the Bible, there are seven named leprosies, and one of them is found to be leprosy of the home, in which a priest would have to come and he would have to cleanse the home with hyssop and with water in order for them to remain in the home. We need heaven to come down into our homes. We, we don't have to accept a status quo belief of that's just the way that it's always been in my family or that's the way that it's always been in my home because God has the power and that same Holy Ghost that filled the home in Acts chapter 2 can fill your house today and it can chase out everything inside of your house. I have good news. Leprosy of the home can be cleansed. Wherever and whatever you consider home, know this, that heaven wants to invade it. Our text mentioned that the heaven was opened. 
The temple of God was open. And in it was that, that ark of his testament or, or the ark of promise or sometimes called the ark of the covenant. The Ark of Covenant was last seen in the book of the Old Testament, and here we see it in the last book of the New Testament. It was an earthly creation surrounded by a heavenly presence. There are three significant arcs that are found in the Old Testament, each of them being indicative of a home, each of them providing a place of dwelling for somebody or for something. One being the ark that protected Moses in the Nile. One that housed Noah and his family. And one that housed the golden jar of manna, Aaron's rod that had budded, and the tablets of the covenant. Arks have always housed something and an ark always serves a purpose. And in every case of an ark within your Bible, you just never quite know where they'll end up pastor preaches it often that we want heaven to come down to your street address. We want the power of God to, to sweep from one side of your house to the other side and to turn everything upside down so that there is a power and that there is a glory that can be found in your house. The first ark that we see is an ark uh, of a place of safety. Heaven wants to save me. And heaven wants to save my family. God can do amazing things for you and for your family. The first ark is found in the book of Genesis. It was revealed when the wickedness of man was great upon the earth. And God had purposed that he was going to destroy the earth that he created with the flood. And the Bible says that one man, one man found grace in the eyes of God. That man was named Noah. To Noah, God revealed a plan of a large vessel that could weather the storm and could save him, could save his wife, could save his three boys and their wives along with the animals. Eight souls saved by water. A great picture of water baptism. But, but what a powerful thing that the ark was going to save Noah and his family and the creation that God had made. The ark was basically a large houseboat that they would call home for one year. It was made of gopher wood. It was waterproofed within and without. It was a football field and a half long, 450 feet roughly, and 70 feet wide and 45 feet high. It had one door and it had three levels. And here was the promise. Everything on earth will die. But Noah, I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat with your family. And I promise you, Noah, that you found grace in my sight and grace has the ability to save. I'm going to save you, Noah. I'm going to save your wife. I'm going to save your kids. And I'll even save who they care about. That ark 100 years in the building came with the promise of deliverance. And here was the promise. If I can get myself on the ark, I am going to be saved. When the rain came, a house of promise had been prepared. And as with that ark scene in heaven, it didn't really look good. There, there were lightnings and there was thunderings and there was rain, but they had waterproofed their home. They had made space for more than themselves. There was room for whosoever will. 
They preached for a century, but nobody listened until that single door was closed by God himself. And while that story from the Old Testament may seem so ancient and may seem so unrepresentative of our life now, Jesus would say that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. If God saved Noah and his family in those days, God still desires to save you, and God wants to save your family even today. God wants to seal your home within and without. He wants to make your house different. He wants to make it distinguishable a lighthouse of hope on your street. It is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Don't you know that your house should be, the one, uh, should be one of the most powerful witnessing tools in your life every day? That when someone comes into your home, they would feel something Different. I'm in a lot of different homes. I can tell you that there are homes that have certain feelings when you go inside of them. And people may not understand everything that you live. And people may not understand everything that you do. And people may not understand everything that you believe. But when they walk by your house, there is something within them that they have to acknowledge that there is something different about that place and about those people. Proverbs 15, 17, King Solomon wrote this about the home. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Love can take a cottage and make it feel like a mansion. It will take relationships and it will make them grow. God is love and love is the currency of heaven. And your home needs some heaven inside of it. If you want to know how to completely change your life, all that you need is a baptism of the Spirit in your home whose first fruit is love. Let it get into your marriage. Let it permeate everything. Let it transform your parenting. And let it turn your house into a little bit of heaven. Max Lucado wrote this about the home. He said, something holy happens around a dinner table that will never happen in a sanctuary. In a church auditorium, you see the back of heads. Around the table, you see the expressions of faces. In the auditorium, one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has a voice. Church services are on the clock, and around the table, there's time to talk. Hospitality, he says, opens the door to uncommon community. It's no accident that the words hospitality and hospital come from the same Latin word because they both have the same effect. They heal things. When you open the door to someone, you are sending them this message that you matter to me and that you matter to God. And so my question, do you want heaven to invade your home? Do you want that peace of God that passes all understanding to come down where you live, then all that we have to do is say that, God, I want that in my home. I need heaven in my home. That second ark is that of Moses' ark. God can not only save you and your family, but God can also save your people. 
those that you feel most at home with outside of the home, God desires to save them also. God wants to come down into their lives as well. 400 years Israel had been in captivity in Egypt. It was a place of escape that had eventually become a tomb where they stayed. They lived in borrowed homes. They labored unfathomable hours. But catch this, deliverance for those same people, it began in the home. It began in the home of Amron and Jochebed. Already they had two children, a girl named Miriam and a boy named Aaron. When a new law had been passed that any baby boy that was born in Goshen, those of the Israelites, the midwives were instructed to take that baby and to throw it into the Nile River. But, but, but there were these two midwives that feared and when Jochebed was, was giving birth to their third son, the midwives, they, they said that they couldn't do it. And, and for three months, they, they hid that baby boy. The baby boy doesn't seem to have a name. Maybe they didn't believe that he was going to get the chance to live, knowing that Pharaoh's soldiers could at any moment come and, and take that baby. But after 90 days, Jochebed realizes that she can no longer continue to hide this child. So what does she do? She makes an ark. She waterproofs it within and without. And she places the hope of all of her people in the home of that small box. And then she goes and, and she pushes that little, that little box into the Nile River. Truth is, is that she was actually obeying the decree from Pharaoh. She was putting her baby into the Nile. She just wasn't following what culture was doing. She made a decision to do something different. And the only thing that was coming between her baby and immediate death was the ark that she placed him in. Can you imagine what was going through her mind as she took her little baby down to the Nile and pushed him out into that river? Can you imagine the flood of emotions going through, going through what, she was, what she was thinking? She, she sent Miriam to watch, and while she walked away, I can only imagine her saying something like, God, I trust you. My hands are off of it now. If you're going to do something, then it's up to you now. If that, that little boy in that little houseboat is the deliverer of our people, then God, you are going to have to do something about it. And, and you know the story, an Egyptian princess rescues that little box from the river, opens it up and finds this little boy, and she calls him Moses because I drew him out of the water. And it would be that same Moses who would later draw the people of God out of bondage. It may seem flimsy. It may seem the house that only hope has built. It may even seem foolish, but God can take a house of hope, and he can turn it into the deliverance of all of his people. God has the ability to use your home to save your people. God wants to save my people on the job. He wants to save my people at school. He wants to save the people in my neighborhood. He wants to save the people that only you can reach. The most biblical representation of the church is not what we do here on a Sunday morning but rather it's people coming together in somebody's home to talk about the goodness of Jesus and all that he has done for me. 
Here's the significance of what can start in your home. is because baby Moses didn't remain a baby forever. And at 40 years old, he declares that he will choose the Hebrews. And at 80 years old, he returns and he declares, let my people go. The deliverance of a nation started in a home. And finally, it's the ark that we referenced in Scripture. The ark of the covenant or sometimes called the Ark of Promise. And, and, and from that, it can be revealed. It's, it's this little house that God wants to use. He wants to use to save. Not just you. Not just your family. Not just the people that you have in your life. But he also wants to save those that are not like you. He also wants to save your enemies. He also wants to save people that are nothing, nothing like you. He even wants to save people who want nothing to do with you. God wants to save them also. This, this little ark has been the theories of mysteries and, and speculation, but at the end of the day, it was simply a little box. It was a few feet wide, a few feet high, made of wood and overlaid in gold. It was designed to hold only a few things, the tablets of stone, a stick that had budded, and a golden jar of manna. On that box, it had a lid made of gold, and on top of the lid, there were two angelic creatures called cherubims that, that reached towards each other. Beneath them was the spattering and the sprinklings of blood that had accumulated over centuries. It was portable, and it was designed to be moved, and it was moved a lot. Once it arrived in the promised land, it remained in Shiloh for a while until it was lost to Philistia. And it made quite a circuit in Philistia until it came back near to Jerusalem. Until a scripture says, it finally found rest in the house that David built. How powerful was that ark? Very. Beneath those cherubims and under that blood-stained lid, it was there that the presence of the Almighty God would dwell. It was there with this little box that he would manifest his glory and the Shekinah glory cloud would come. Wherever his presence is, you're on holy ground. Wherever God is, that's God's house. Wherever he comes down and, and in the midst, in the presence, you, you have entered into a holy of holies. Maybe that's why in the Hebrew there is no word for home. But the word that they use closest to translate, it means little sanctuary. That your home is supposed to be filled with the presence of the Almighty God. That what's seen as God's house needs to be seen as your house. That the glory of God would invade your house. How powerful was that ark? There's a story of a Gittite from Gath by the name of Obed-Edom. He owned a field right on the threshing floor of Zion and Moriah. He was the one that one day was in the field working and he notices this parade coming, being led by King David with this little box being pulled on a cart in the parade. 
Bible doesn't tell us exactly how it happened, but we can kind of uh, confer from the scripture that there appears to be a conversation. And a soldier comes and asks Obed-Edom, and, and he says, uh, do you own this place? And Obed-Edom says, yes. And do you see that box in the parade? Obed-Edom says, yes. I can imagine. Do, do you see that dead man laying over there by the box? <laughs> yes. That box killed that man. And then the question, can we put that box in your house? I don't know how I would have responded. But this is where we see the intent, and the character of the person. Because Obed-Edom says, yeah, absolutely, you can put that box in my house. And we find in Scripture where they brought that ark of the covenant, the very dwelling place of the presence of God. They brought that Ark of the Covenant into somebody's home. And the Bible says for 90 days, Obed-Edom had the presence of God in his house. 2 Samuel 6, 12, the Bible says, The Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him. Why? Because of the ark of God. The Lord blessed the house. And all, all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. The Bible says that, that God blessed Obed-Edom and all that he had during that time, that heaven for a while, came into his home. Something radiated out of his home, out of his life, out of his family's life, that everybody could tell the blessing of God had come to that house. Heaven had come down to his home. Word gets back to King David that God has blessed Obed-Edom's house. And that's when David built a house, an open tent called the Tabernacle of David. And David came and he knocks on the door and he asked Obed-Edom that he could take the ark back from him. And Obed-Edom says, well, if you're taking the ark, then I'm coming too. Because my, my life, my family has so radically changed that I can't live without the presence of God. I can't stay here if the presence of God is not there. I've, I've had a taste of heaven and I'll never be satisfied with going back to the way that things used to be. And First Chronicles recounts that Obed-Edom follows the ark back to the house of David. And Obed-Edom and his family, they become doorkeepers for the house of God. And the Bible gives us 62 named descendants of Obed-Edom, and they're found listed within the Bible, serving around the house of God. The Bible says that he becomes a gatekeeper to the city because it doesn't matter whatever you ask me to do. I just want to be near the presence of the Almighty God. And so I have a simple, simple charge this evening. What would happen if you gave God 90 days? What would happen if for 90 days you opened up your home and you invited the very presence of God to be made manifest in your place, in your house? 
what happened if, if you started a prayer meeting or a Bible study and just started calling on the name of the Lord, started unplugging from things that distract you and started lifting up his name in your house. And when the presence of God would invade that home, just see. Just see if he doesn't bless everything that you have. Just see if when heaven comes into your home, if your life is not radically changed all for the glory of God. My last point tonight, as, as the music can come and you can stand if you, if you wouldn't mind. In Exodus, we are, we are told of the process of the deliverance of God's people from the land of Egypt. The final act of God against the land is recorded in Exodus chapter 12, where God tells the people to, to kill a lamb and for every house to take that blood and to strike it on the two sides of the post and on the upper door post of that house. Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, recounts it as this. The Bible says, for I will pass through, everyone say pass through, the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all of the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. God said, take that outward sign of sacrifice and just, just place it upon the entrance of your home. And when the judgment of God would come down, the Bible says he would see by the sign of your home. He would see a covenant relationship with him. And what would have been a pass-through would become a Passover because of what was represented on your home. Maybe some of us today, we just need to be a little radical. And when you go home tonight, walk right up to your front door and say, right here, the blood still applies to this home. And just strike the doorposts and say that this is a house where he's welcome. This is a house of covenant with him. Because the blood of a life of sacrifice still applies to this house. And we can say along with Joshua in chapter 24, 15. But as for me and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe he wants to do it. I believe he wants to do it in your home. I believe that your house can be the lighthouse in your neighborhood where there can be hope that is found at that place and that it'll be such a symbol and such a place of refuge for people that they know that there, there's something different. And so today, this altar's open, pastor, however you wanna close this, but I believe that God 
is wanting for heaven to come down and to invade our homes. But he's looking for a place where he can find a covenant relationship with his people, where they can say, this house, this place, God, you're welcome in this home. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. I want my home to be blessed. I want my home to be blessed. In the name of Jesus, I, I ponder even on that, that the New Testament church was started with Jesus Christ going from house to house, sending his disciples from house to house. And then in Acts chapter 2, it went from house to house. Because everything God does is going to be powerful in the home. It's got to be in the home. Everybody say, it's got to be in my house. I want you to lift your hands around the building. I want you to talk to the Lord and say, God, I want your presence to come into my home. Come into our house. Woo. Hallelujah. Oh, we feel your presence even now. We thank you for what you're doing even now. Oh, God, we magnify you, Lord. We glorify you, God. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You can kneel at your seat. You can come to the altar. But I think we need to respond to the presence of God. Telling the Lord, my home is going to be a place where heaven can come to, where the Ark of the Covenant can be in. Come on, I want us to begin to praise some prayers tonight, seeking the face of God. Lord, I want you in my house. I want you in my home. I want my children praying in the Holy Ghost at home. Almighty oh, God, we worship you for what you're doing. We glorify you for who you are. God, I want you to invade the house. Not just to pass over, but we want you to pass through the home, oh God. Come on, that's it, Lord. We make a covenant today. Our prayers are going to be at home. We're going to read our Bible at home. We're going to speak faith at home. We're going to worship and praise at home. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.